is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. Wanting healthy foods. Like I, that was another thing. So the whole dessert thing was a big problem for me. I, it would trigger binges because I would never let myself have one. Um, and now just being able to have like a Snickers bar for dessert, which back then I never would consider buying one of those, you know, like no way I can't have that, you know. Um, and being able to have that, not have anything happen afterwards, just eat it, move on. Um, and sometimes a key moment also was having the Snickers bar in the, in the freezer and actually choosing fruit because that's what I felt like, (laughs) you know, I didn't feel like the Snickers bar. I didn't really want it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's another thing, like just not wanting things. I felt like I, uh, you know, a while ago, I just wanted everything. I always wanted, it was always like more and more and more because I was in such denial, you know, and depriving myself of so many things. Imperfect Eating Mastery is open for registration. If you are tired of being way on a diet or way off a diet and you want to find balance with food, long-term balance with food, Imperfect Eating Mastery is the program for you. You can get started right now. You can go to systemsforselfcare.com. There is a link in there too. If you need to chat with me a little bit more and you're like, "Ah, I think this might be a good fit, but I'm not really sure. Click the link in there and we can schedule a call to make sure that this is the right program for you to get you from where you are right now to where you want to be. Again, go to systemsforselfcare.com. Let's get started with today's episode. Hey, it's Jacqueline with systemsforselfcare.com, where I teach you to consistently take daily action so you can feel happier, healthier, and more confident. Today on the podcast, I have Karis Anderson, correct? Yes, Yes. perfect. (laughs) Karis like Paris, which is so helpful. Um, But I'm really excited to have you on here. So you're a mom, you're a dancer, you're a coach, you're a motivator. Um, let's, uh, let's start with the dance. I want to hear more about that. So tell me more about life as a dancer. You, you were a professional dancer. Yeah. So that's well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to get into this. So yeah, I was a professional dancer for 10 years and, um, I traveled the world and had an amazing time. Um, yeah, it's a crazy roller coaster of a career. There's ups, there's downs massive highs, massive lows, but I learned a lot along the way. Um, and a lot of what I have learned, I can infuse now into what I do now. Now I'm, you know, hung up my dancing shoes and have a normal life, quote unquote. Um, so yeah, all the lessons I've learned along the way, uh, they're taken with me now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things I read, you said, um, your self-esteem was put through the ringer and I, I was just like, wow, that is so interesting because, when I, when I think about a dancer, I think about if I see someone that's a uh, backup dancer or someone that's on a stage and they're dancing, I just imagine like they are just so confident in their body and they are just so mm. confident in themselves and they just, you know, they have that life that I really want. And that might mm. be part, part partially true, but there were some tough times as well. Yeah. So I think that you do get people like that. There's definitely girls out there who are so flipping confident and it oozes off them. And that's just how they are naturally, like in any career or any like walk of life that you'll see. But for me, it was not like that. Naturally, I always had kind of a low self-esteem. So probably actually dance was like the worst, the worst path for me to go down because you're compared to other people every single day. Um, in other people's eyes, you get told if you're not good enough, if you're too fat, you're too short, 
whatever. And also you see in the mirror yourself next to someone else. So you're completely comparing yourself all the time. And I think I wasn't really very, I wasn't emotionally equipped for that journey. I actually didn't realize now I can look back retrospectively, but as a 20 year old, I don't think I was emotionally ready to go through that. And I had issues when I was younger with, you know, my body image and, you know, the things you go to when you're a teenager, you want to be skinny and you, 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 I don't know. And I think I went into the industry already with that. And then the dance industry kind of is, is wonderful and there's wonderful people and I don't want to, you know, put a negative view on it, but it can kind of chew you up and spit you out and you've got to be thick skinned and you've got to be um, ready for that. And I think sometimes I wasn't and it did affect me. Um, and I had to learn along the way how to bolster my self-esteem, how to do it for myself, how to be my own cheerleader, how to dust myself off, how to, you know, absolutely fall in love with my body um, and and actually also see what other people can see. Because sometimes people are telling you you're good. People are telling you you look gorgeous. People are telling you good things. And sometimes you've trained yourself for so much negativity that you can't even let those compliments in. And I was an absolute master of like batting back the compliment. <laughs> like, Or if someone told me I did, did a job well or whatever, I'd be, oh yeah, but it's because of this. Or if I got a really good job, you know, passed a great audition, I'd be like, oh, but it's probably because of X, Y, Z or, you know, just brushing it off. Um, but yeah, it was a bit, can I swear? <laughs> I don't know. It. it was a bit <laughs> shit for my self-esteem and you'd often get weighed. Um, oh. You'd get, yeah, one contract I went on, it was in your contract that you, if you gained five kilo, uh, five pounds or lost five pounds, that you'd get a written warning and three written, written warnings and you're out. Um, so you have that hanging over you as well sure. as the skimpy costumes and, you know comparing yourself in the mirror to other dancers, et cetera. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So not even just like your skill level of what you're doing with dancing, but like your self-worth is just like, it's so much about your body. Yeah. It's so much about your body and your image and your looks, you know, um, massively like you could be a not very good dancer and get really far if you're pretty and you have a nice body. Mm -hmm. So massively. So, um, you said that you had to learn how to be your own cheerleader, which I love. Mm. Um, it's so important to reach out and like go to therapy or get a coach and whatever, but when it comes down to it, mm. like you have to be the person that like you're in your head, no one else is in your head. So oh, take yeah. me to like how you figured out that you needed to do that for yourself. What were, what was the breaking point and what did, what changed? I literally have like a pivotal moment in my mind. So I went on a dance contract as a replacement, which means one dancer's left. So I had to go in there. Um, so all the other cast knew the show. I'd just come from America over to Europe and, you know, I was jet lagged and whatnot. And I just threw, was thrown straight into this show. And I, I've never been as a dancer, a fast learner, like a fast pick up. I'm always, you know, the one it's give me a couple of days and then I'm going to rock it, but you know, it's not going to be straight off the bat. Um, so that situation for me was pretty savage. And I had um, a Russian dance captain who was strict. So I'd always worked with like Americans who were so like super friendly and smiley. And uh, she was strict and actually lovely. Once you get to know the Russian culture, that's just how they are. But at the beginning, I was like, uh, anyhow, um, I remember having a chart on my wall 
of like each day, each show. And I'd come back to the cabin after the show, uh, cabin because I was working on a cruise ship. Um, and I would, you know, give myself a smiley face or a frowny face, whether I thought I did a good job or whether the dance captain thought I did a good job. And so I was critiquing myself every night and I was feeling really bad about that every night. And it was really getting to me. Um, and just seeing all those like frowny faces and it would literally be because I had an arm at 90 degrees instead of 45 degrees, you know, like the smallest things which in life, like come on. But in the moment was so, you know, a lot. Um, so I just, I was in a very negative place. Like all these negative thoughts going through my head, reinforced by the dance captain being strict on me, taking notes, calling me out in front of the cast. And cause I was the new one, I was the only one who was getting the notes, you know, everyone had been in the cast for a year and they knew it. So that coupled with just like seeing these like frowny faces and just constant negative thoughts in my head, negative thoughts in my head, negative thoughts in my head. My then boyfriend, now husband was living with me at the time. Yeah. He's a singer. And he was like, I can't deal with, I can't do this anymore. And we were a very strong couple. Like anyone would meet us, I'd think we're the best couple. And he was like, I just can't keep bringing you back up and you're bringing me down. And it's like, you know, when you've been around someone negative and it's like a force field, like you just feel so, that's, I think how I was. I think I was like a black hole of like positive emotion. Um, and I was so down on myself and I couldn't hear any compliments. I couldn't see any, like, I couldn't see how good I was. I thought I was really like shit. I really did. Mm -hmm. And it took him, the person I love the most in the world, to go, I think this is going to have to be over if this is how it's going to be mm. for me to go, holy crap, I need to do something about this. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to live without him. Mm -hmm. And I'm the only one who can change it. So I did everything I could to switch my mindset around. I think the first ever personal development book I read was The Secret. I think it was probably mm -hmm. everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I look back on it now, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's not the best one maybe. But, you know, started applying some things from The Secret and started being aware of those negative thoughts that were in my head because I was sick of them. I was like, I've had enough. I'm getting you out of here. So I kind of came up with like a you know, very simple little like step-by-step -step plan. It's like recognize and be mindful of the negative thoughts that are in your head. So be mindful of all the thoughts that are in your head when a negative one comes, you stop it and you flip it. Um, and you can flip it into something ridiculous if you want, like whatever, but just flip it into something positive and that makes you smile and might even make you laugh and then repeat, 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 repeat. And it took actually a few years to really get in the hang of doing that all the time because it's a habit. Being negative towards yourself is a habit. Mm. And then slowly by slowly, I started accepting compliments mm. I started being able to like give myself a compliment talk about myself nicely you know um and then it was my dad who said like Karis your laugh has changed and I was laughing from a different place like I'd real deep I was happy and the happiness was kind of just bubbling out and like I could really like I changed and you know me and my husband patched it up got married we now baby happily ever after yeah maybe. I don't know <laughs> it's always a work in progress isn't it your mindset and everything like you never stop working on it yeah I'm glad you mentioned how like it takes years like it wasn't like oh I picked mm. up the secret and then the next week yeah. everything got fixed like the repetition like because you if you've been believing a certain thing about yourself and you've been in that practice of thinking these thoughts and doing these actions 
for years or decades, like it doesn't get fixed in a week. No. And you don't believe it at the beginning. Mm. Like when I say about flipping that negative thought, I have the thought like, you know, I was the worst on stage today. That's the thought I believe in that moment. And for me to flip it around and go, you know, I was the best on stage. I, I absolutely rocked it. I think every member of the audience saw how good I was. I'm not believing that the first time I say it. It takes the repetition and the repetition and the repetition for you to actually believe it in your core. Um, and then you just blur the line between, <laughs> you know, what you're faking it till you make it. And then when you're actually making it, you know, mm-hmm. what does it look like? Like, so during those years of like changing your mindset and mm. changing those patterns, what were like the daily things that you did? So you mentioned like catching those thoughts, but were there other things that you needed to make sure you did to set yourself up for success? Um, journaling. Yeah. Yeah. People hate yeah, journaling. I know People hate it. They don't want to yeah. do it. <laughs> I know. And it's so like, oh yeah, everyone journals, like get, get your journal out, get all woo woo. But honestly, when, and the thing is with journaling, right? I would keep a diary in the past growing up as a teenager, stuff like that. I could go back and look at those diaries now and they are just like a pit of negativity. Yeah. And I don't want a book of negativity Mm. sitting on my shelf. I really don't. So I think that journaling has to be done in the right way. It's good to just get your thoughts out and recognize your thoughts, but it's also just, you don't want to write a book of a negative story. You don't want to wallow in it really you want to flip it, reverse it. Everything I said in that like little step-by-step process, you do it in your journaling. And at like, it's so like cliche, but affirmations, yeah, like writing, writing what I want to believe, saying what I want to believe um, and listening to when people say things that I should be believing. Open my ears. Someone's giving me a compliment. Try your best to say thank you. Like you don't have to say, oh no, but that's because of this or, um, you know, or, oh no, but you're much better than me or, or don't be silly or all of that stuff. Like as Brits, we're, we're very much like that. Uh, I am British. I know my accent is all over the place because I haven't (laughs) lived in England for a long time. (laughs) People are always like, where the hell are you from? (laughs) Anyway, but I am British and that is part of our nature is to be like self-deprecating And I think working with a lot of Americans, you're much better um, as a nation as like, I remember being on a dance contract and someone gave a compliment to an American dancer and she went, thank you. And I was like, what? That's That's so weird. (laughs) Yeah, well, you don't have to like say a whole backstory, even if it's like, oh, I really like your dress. We'll be like, oh yeah, but I just got it on sale and it's just from Primark and this old thing kind of thing, you know, we just can't accept a compliment. So that, and I still work on that you know, someone will compliment me on Instagram and I'll go to write something back and then I'll be like, nope, delete it. Thank you. Um, And yeah. And then the other trick, which is really good, is when you think about accepting all those compliments, write them down in your journal. Think about the compliments that people have given you that you all the compliments you can remember, what your mom has told you, what your boyfriend's told you, what your husband's told you, you know, anyone. And then I write them down And then I write them in the first person. So then I start to believe it and own it. And I had to do this stuff. I I had to do it because otherwise I was going to lose the person I love. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't want to live like that anymore. I, I wanted to go places in my career. I wanted to have a, you know, in my dance career, I wanted to have the confidence to go for jobs. I really wanted to go for, I didn't want to be in, in, you know, just coasting. And so I had to change. And I think that's the thing 
you have to get to the point where it's like do or die. Yep. Otherwise, you're not going to get your journal out. You're not going to do it. Right. It's like that's we once pain gets to like so great that you're like, I cannot do this anymore. I'm so sick and tired of hearing myself like this. I'm so sick and tired of feeling like my relationship is going to crumble. Like I deserve better than this. Yeah. And it's hard to get to that point because also we love to wallow in our misery. Mm. <laughs> it's so nice and like comfy and like, oh, but I feel so sad and the whole world's out to get me and I'm just going to, you know, to keep myself small and, you know, do life small. And it, it it's easy and it's comfy and your brain's always searching for the comfy, easy option and actually going, absolutely not. I'm going to change this. And then working every day to change it. It's takes effort and it's uncomfortable and we want to be comfortable don't we but I think also it as we said it didn't change overnight but also these little things I did it did just start with becoming mindful Mm -hmm. it wasn't like I got my journal out the first day and I read the secret the first day it was just being mindful of what's going on in my head that's how it all started and then it just snowballs from there really yeah so is this something um so it's been years since this is something mm. you started working on, what is like the mm. maintenance? Like, what do you still do for yourself now God. to keep a positive mindset and keep, you know, the, the success that you have? All the stuff yeah. over and over again on repeat, because I'll get, uh, it'll happen again. I'll get to a place and I'll be like, Whoa, I don't feel good. What's going on? Hang on a minute. I've just I've just completely shut myself down there. I've, I've not believed in myself or, you know, I, you know, in my business, like maybe in the middle of a launch, I'll start (laughs) believing that it's all going to crumble and fail (laughs) and I won't be able to pay the bills and, you know, all of this. And then I'll be like, shit, it's happening again. Back to the beginning. Right. What's going on in my head? Journal it out. What affirmations do I need? what visualizations do I need to do? Who do I need to listen to put into my ears right now? Surround yourself with everything. And it's, it is, it's constant. I'm like that. I don't know, maybe some people do the work and then get to this wonderful place where they just float around and are absolutely fine. But for me, it's always there. It's, you know, I can always spiral into that place. You know, like if you don't brush your teeth every day, you're going to get tooth decay and your teeth are going to fall out. If I don't keep on top of it, my mindset will fade and my negativity will come back in. My self-esteem will go down. And that's why I always say, like, I have to be my own cheerleader. I don't have anyone. Obviously, my family are supportive, but they're not there every day going, you're the best. You can do it. Come on. I have to do that to myself. I need it. So it's daily. It's daily keeping a check on what's going on in my head, you know, and I, in a more practical sense, I have a morning routine where I journal, I visualize, and I just set myself up for the day. And I just love to think in the morning, who do I need to be today to be the person I want to become like that? uh, That's how I start. And if I don't start my day like that, I have a real flippy floopy day. (laughs) That's not going my way. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I can tell the difference. It's like br- brushing your teeth. It's just like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I'm glad you mentioned like, like having those bad days and then being able to pinpoint like, oh yeah, I didn't do those things. So it's not that like mm. you're a bad person because this is <sighs> happening or like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm right back at square one. It's just like, oh, right. That's why I have to do these things. 
Yeah. And you can liken that to like a health and fitness journey. Like if you, you have moment where you're, you know, a couple of weeks and you think, oh, I'm not quite feeling at my best energy levels have gone down. Clothes are feeling a bit tighter. It's not that you failed and you've fallen off the wagon and, uh, you know, all of this stuff is happening to you. It's just like, oh yeah, I just need to go back, readdress my habits, you know, readdress my intentions. And I just need to like, I always say to my girls, like go back to basics, always go back to the basics. Even you're, you're the most successful people in the world. They go back to basics. There's no like higher level of this. You just rinse and repeat the basics. I think anyway. Totally. Yeah. It's, I find like it, when I overcomplicate things is when I'm not able to stick with it. And it's like, no, you just need to do this. Like just do this and do this over and over and over again. And just be really good at doing this. hundred percent. Like I've tried so many morning routines. Cause like, I love self-development books, personal development books, tried like, um, the miracle morning, Hal Elrod's miracle morning. I don't know if you've heard about that. And it's like the savers thing. Uh, I think I did it for a few days and I was like, Whoa, first of all, who's got time for that in the morning? <laughs> if you've got time for that, you need to be working, get some work done. Um, and, and, and second of all, like I was over complicating it. I didn't yeah. need to do all those things. I just need to get my head in the right place. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone else is really going to enjoy that. But for me, it was exactly that over complicating it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's the same. I see it all the time with um, clients when it comes to fitness and nutrition, like their first step will be to go on some crazy diet protocol and crazy fitness regime. I'm like, well, that's not the first step. Let's take it back a bit. Always nail the basics first with everything. Yeah. Yeah. The Miracle Morning was a really good book for me to see, Mm -hmm. to learn that people do stuff in the morning to set themselves up. But the exact same thing, like, I don't know that I want to spend 60 or 90 minutes on this thing. And also maybe Mm. that's not exactly, but it's like, I think that we can like take stuff. Oh, I read this book. What do I need from this book? that like, cause he just made that up. I think that that's the thing too. It's like, we have to remember like all of these people that write self-help books, they just made it up. They're like, this is what's worked for me. And I've helped some clients with this. So what do you need from that book? That's going to help you. Yeah. And like, that's, that's a perfect point. And I think it is cool to see like, wow, people do get up at five o'clock and they do start their day like this, but it's also so good to remember we're not all the same people. Mm. You might thrive at five o'clock in the morning. You might be your best self at five o'clock in the morning. I might be my best self at nine o'clock in the morning. And that's okay. That doesn't make me a less productive person, a worse person, you know, a less Instagram worthy person. It's just what works well for me. And I can tell you now with a toddler that wakes me up at 5.30 in the morning, I am not thriving at 5.30 in the morning. It's not for me. I was a dancer. I worked in the night. I slept in the mornings <laughs> my yeah. whole life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, you've got to find what works for you. So now my morning routine starts at 8.15 when I come back from dropping my daughter at nursery. Because as a mom, you're not doing, I'm not sitting there doing a meditation with a toddler running around or I'm not getting my journal out because she's going to want to write in it as well. So you just make, you just do what works for you. I think that's really important to remember. Yeah. So your, your mom, you have a toddler. How do you take care of yourself? Like, how do you make that time for yourself? So she's at school and then you're like, okay, cool. Now it's time to do something for me. Yeah. So ever since I had her, I basically took 
the first week off, I still had clients, so I had to continue working. Um, and so any mums out there will know when your baby is a newborn is actually the easiest time to find time for yourself <laughs> because they sleep so much and you don't even realize. I can remember being like, you know, I, it's just really important for me. I get a shower every morning and I make the bed every morning. And I was so proud of myself of being a new mom, showering every morning and making the bed every morning, keeping the house clean. And I cooked dinner and I still ran my business. I was like, felt like a superwoman. Yeah. The beginning, you're running on adrenaline definitely and also they sleep so bloody much you've got so much time to do everything it's amazing so it's when they get a little bit older um that they only have one nap a day and that they, they they say mommy 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 a lot and you know my daughter is nearly two so I've got all those other years ahead of me that other more experienced mums will be able to tell me about but um it's difficult to take time for yourself but what I would say is you've got to put <laughs> you've got to put your foot down it's not good. No one's going to hand it to you. You've got to create it. So ask for help, accept help when it's offered mm -hmm. to you. <laughs> um, and remember that you and your partner are in this 50, 50, just because you're the mum doesn't mean it all falls on you. Mm -hmm. Um, you decided to have a child 50, 50, and it's okay for you to go, Hey, I need an afternoon to myself. I need to go out for a coffee and read my book, you know. And for me, a big step was putting my daughter into nursery. Like I think as mums, we feel guilty about every single thing we do. We spend too much time with the kids. You feel guilty for spoiling them. You don't spend enough. You feel guilty for being away, la, la, la. Like you, you cannot move for guilt when you're a mum. And so I put my daughter in nursery at 13 or four, no, 14 months. Um, and that was like a big deal for me. And I, I live in Spain. So it's a Spanish speak. Well, I live in Mallorca. So it's not even Spanish. I speak it's Mallorquin. Um, you know, so I'm like, okay, just handing you my girly. But that was a game changer for me to, to put my foot in the ground and say, look, I cannot run this business. I cannot, I can't be a mom and be a wife and be myself all at the same time. I need to sort this out. So definitely that was a big step for me and then just being like okay don't feel guilty about that she's having a lovely time she goes there eight till 12 every day um, Monday to Friday and you know in the UK that's very strange for a baby to go to nursery every single day but she only goes half the day but you know so I could feel guilty about that but I don't because she's happy mm -hmm. I'm happy and I think we all know as mums when you're rested and when you're happy and when your cup is full you're a much better mother when you're mothering from a empty cup or like a cup with a couple of drops left in it you're irritable you're snappy you don't have time to do fun things you know you're just you're turning up rubbish basically yeah. it's like turning up to a job with no sleep not looking good not ready to bring your a game you wouldn't do it so it's really it feels awful to turn up to parent like that mm -hmm. so it's important to fill your cup. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about this too, like, it's like now is different than it was when our parents were growing up and mm. like the expectations. And that's a, it's good that things are changing. It's good that you want to have a career and also be a mom. Mm -hmm. And that just, it's, it means that things are going to look different than when we grew up. But also I think about too, I, a question I always ask clients is, would you want this for like a young female in your life? Right. And so we think about like your mm -hmm. daughter when she's older and she, you know, is going to have children 
is it okay for her to put her child in nursery so that she can work on her career? And the answer is, yeah, you like, you'd want that for her. So why, you know, then it's okay for you as well. Absolutely. That's a great way of like asking questions to yourself is always a great way of just flipping your perspective on stuff. That's a really good question to ask yourself. And of course you'd be like, yeah, go get it. I want you to be <laughs> successful. And I, and that's another thing that when you think about your children um, and how they want, how they will perceive you, mm. of course, I don't want my daughter to, to think of me as like a workaholic or whatever. Mm. I want her to be inspired by my success, especially I know, you know, I'm a bit bored of everyone saying as a woman at the moment, I think it should be without saying that, but I'm going to say it as a woman, I want her to be inspired by, you know, the success I bring into our family and, um, to see, to see me in a job that I'm passionate about and I want to go to work and going to work doesn't have to be like, Oh God, I've got to go to work or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, both me and my husband, he, he's a singer and a musician. So he has a job he's passionate about. And, you know, I think that that I'm really happy that she sees that. And we live in a place that we've, we've chosen to live here. We don't just live here by default. You know, we've moved our lives across the sea to come and be here because it's a better place for us. And I think, you know, in all areas of life, that's what I want her to feel. And, you know, I'll make those sacrifices so that she can see that that kind of life is possible. Yeah. I want to go back to, so you talked about, um, getting to that point where you're like, I need to communicating with your partner. I need to go get a cup of mm. coffee. I need to go read a mm. book. So I actually, right before we came in, I recorded a podcast about setting boundaries. And one of the reasons mm. that I struggle with setting boundaries or asking for what I need is because I have a story in my head that my partner is going to be mad at me. My partner is going to be mad at me if I say I need to go for a run. I don't even have kids, <laughs> but mm. I have a story in my head and that's the story that prevents me from doing that. So anyways, going back with your hut, like with your husband, was there any of that? Like, oh man, he's going to be mad at me. If I ask for time, he's going to think like, you're so lazy. Like what, what do you yeah, do all and, day? And I think because um, this is just rings a bell for me. Like, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And still now, even today, you know, my daughter took a nap and I was like, I need to get work done. And my husband was like, by the way, just cause I was tired. Cause we've been sick. He's like, just so you know, it's okay. If you want to lay on the couch and do nothing for the hour while she's having a nap, cause he knows he has to literally tell me that's okay. Yeah. Because of that exact thing you've just said in the past, I've been like, but I feel like I can't sit down because you're going to think I'm lazy. You know, there's housework to be done. I, and because of my my the nature of my business, I can work whenever, you know. So, and there's a, a never ending to-do list. There's always stuff to do, isn't there? So it's like, I should be working. There's always that thing, like I should be working mm-hmm. or should be working out or should be, but even working out, I still, uh, I asked my husband like, is it okay if I go work out? He's like, yeah, like, <laughs> why the hell are you asking yeah. me? Like, it's do what you want with your time. Like, but I don't know what that is, but I have that in me as well that I feel like he's going to think that I'm wasting my time or being lazy or, you know, not pulling my weight or, you know, it always has to be balanced. But if someone actually said to me, would your husband think that I'd say no way. So I don't know what it is in that moment, but it's more our inner voice, I think. And then we're just projecting it onto the partner yeah. And then starting yeah. a fight that didn't actually exist. <laughs> yeah. But that, absolutely. And then they're like, what? Because men are less complicated than women, let's face it. 
And they're like, what? What the hell are you on about? Like, yeah. you do what you want. <laughs> yeah. But you don't realize I had this whole 30 minute conversation with you in my head about this thing. But it's so funny because my husband has never asked me, is it okay if I go work out? He's just like, hey, I'm going to go mm-hmm. to the basement and lift some weights now. Mm-hmm. But I like, hey, you know, like, oh, I need, I re- kind of want to like go for a run. Like, yeah. is that okay? Yeah. yeah. So silly. I think we both need to nip that in the bud. And next time we we find ourselves doing that, be like, but no, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell me about your approach to nutrition and meals and just taking care of yourself when it comes to food without being super restrictive, like being able to have a glass of wine or have a cookie. What does it look like for you and with your clients? Oh, well, probably my clients are doing a much uh, better job than I am because I am very relaxed with my nutrition because I've got to that point. I think that being a dancer, being very aware of your body image, um, being literally on set and being told I was fat and being Mm. changed out of my costume and put into another costume, like in front of everyone, like and I was just 20 with some curves on me not even if you look at the pictures no way but what that's beside the point anyway but yeah all of that is there in my head and it led to some disordered eating and um you know not a good relationship with food so when I finally started like lifting weights and then realizing like oh I actually have to eat quite a lot of food to get the body results that I want like I didn't want to be skinny anymore I wanted to be muscular and then went down that route that also went a bit too clean, you know, went a bit too extreme, you know, when I started lifting weights and I got, you know, it was the beginning of Instagram and everyone was taking pictures of their food and you couldn't put anything up that wasn't made of whole foods and stuff like that. Um, so I've, I've bounced around and I've binged and overeaten and I've been back and I've been forth. Um, and along with that mindset journey, I've also come to a, a place of peace with my body, which mm-hmm in hand in hand goes with your nutrition because I don't think about everything I put in my body as inherently like bad or good I think in the moment do I want this do I not want this um and am I overall looking after my body as a healthy person I think that we get you get tied to the moment like if I eat this candy that makes me an unhealthy person that means I've fallen off the wagon that means I can't be a fitness coach that means I can't teach my clients about nutrition you know because I've eaten chocolate and had a glass of wine you tie it all to that one moment when life is actually 360 degrees um there's lots of things (laughs) happening in your life and that's one moment so my life now is very um flexible health forward always um, um, and I, I love not feeling flipping bad about eating a cookie. So then I have to go and eat the whole packet to just destroy the evidence because I'll eat them all now. Otherwise I'm, I, I need to, you know, eat healthy again tomorrow and just get rid of it. I flip in love being able to like have some ice cream and put the tub back and like, maybe I'll have some tomorrow, maybe not because I can. Um, and I, I really try, um, my hardest to teach my clients that and I think when they often when people come into like a fitness program nutrition program they're like right come on tell me what have I got to eat you know you know what have we got and it's like expecting salads and this and that and the first thing I tell them is like just leave make sure you leave some room 
to be flexible. Make sure you leave some room to go have a cup of tea and a cake with your mum because that's what's going to make you succeed because we all know how to eat healthy. Like we're not stupid. Of course, there's things we can tweak and we know what, what we're doing, but it's, it's when you go on a quote unquote diet and you go hundred percent in one direction. Like if I say to you, don't think of a pink elephant, you're like, all right, pink elephant, how you doing? Um, so if I say to you, you can't have any sugar, any alcohol, any, this, any, that, what are you going to want? You're just going to want the bad stuff and then you're going to binge and it goes over and over again in a cycle. So <laughs> long winded way of getting mm-hmm. to it. I found balance in my life and I teach that to my clients just in a fun, in a fun way, just relax, have fun. This is how to eat well. This is how to have a gin and tonic and cheers. <laughs> yeah. So that wasn't overnight that that happened. That took years. And it sounds like, so it sounds like maybe when you were a dancer, there was a lot of under eating. Were you counting yeah. calories at that point? I don't think I knew how to count calories back uh-huh. then, but just to give you an example, I can remember being a showgirl on a job when I was very young and a showgirl in Europe is like thong, sparkly thong bikini, um, you know, this kind of thing, big feathers, stuff like that, a Vegas kind of style. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're on stage, everything's out, you know. So, okay, take into that time. I can remember going into the supermarket and looking at the cereal special K which is basically devoid of any nutrients anyway, but going, I think I'm going to have the one with no berries because the one with berries on the pack had like 10 more calories per right. serving. So I thought, pick the one with no berries. And then um, I'm not going to have, I was like addicted to Coca-Cola at that point. I can remember my fridge just had Coca-Cola. In it. I'm not going to have uh, lunch because I'm going to have a can of Coke instead. And then when I'd go to work, I'd like have a Twix from the vending machine. And I'll be like, that would be my day. I'll do a show on that. And I'll go to the gym and I'll go for a run. So no clue about nutrition. And although I'm saying that earlier, I said like, we know how to be what's healthy and what's not healthy. I knew deep down that was not healthy. But then I did think like having special K was healthy, mm-hmm. you know, when, you know, I don't think we should really use the word healthy, not healthy, but do you know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of nutrition. nutrition. There's no protein. There's no, no vegetables. Yeah. I have special K in the cupboard now and I have it when I fancy a bowl of cereal because I like the crunch, Mm -hmm. not because I'm having special K because it's going to make me skinny. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's a Mm -hmm. different mindset around it. But anyway, so that's how I would be back then. Um, I just wanted to be skinny. I really did. Um, And I didn't care if I was a bit hungry. And then, of course, like, you know, that would go the other way sometimes and you'd overeat because you were so bloody hungry. And then what do you do when you overeat? You're going to make yourself sick. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't want to put a label and say bulimia, but basically I didn't take care of myself. Yeah, I I did things to make myself skinny. And I think the difference for me was when I got in the gym and I started lifting weights and I was looking at women who were strong Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, that's a refreshing image. I don't have to be skinny. I can be strong, but it still, you can put yourself down that path then. And you've still got the issues there of being restrictive, but in a new way, like overly healthy and overly clean, like author, what was it called? Author, orthorexic. Oh, orthorexia. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm no, don't put any labels on anything because 
I don't know what I was just making my way through being in my early twenties. Yeah. But you know, that's very easy to go in that route as well. If you've not sorted out your mindset around food. Yeah. So I just want to say for people listening, so orthorexia is like a, like being hyper-focused on only eating healthy foods. Um, mm-hmm. So if it's not healthy, you can't eat it. And it just, it becomes, if like it's a, not clean. Yeah, yeah. It's an obsession over yeah mm-hmm. clean eating. So while we do want to eat healthy foods and we want to eat foods that are mostly whole foods, whole foods. Like, but mm. it can turn into an obsession in itself. Absolutely. And if you've got that in your personality already, then it's much easier for you to go down that route. Um, but yeah, I think you just hit the nail on the head there. We just want to eat mostly whole foods. Like, mostly you want to eat whole foods that are going to make you feel energized and great and you have enough protein enough fat enough micronutrients fabulous and now and again your husband's going to bake some chocolate brownies and you're going to have one because they're delicious and it tastes good and nothing bad happened to me for having a chocolate brownie like Mm -hmm. that sounds so simple doesn't it but it took me a long time to get to that point Sure. Yeah. Cause if you have years and decades of like, well, every other time that I've had a chocolate brownie I've binged. Right. And so then the mm. chocolate brownie, like sounds like, well, aren't I like I'm doing something wrong. I might as well just yeah. keep eating all of this. How did you get out of that? That I think that mindset, um, coming out of the dance world, mm. growing up, Mm. Um, just growing up and my priorities are different and my eyes are opened and you become less egotistical and you can, Mm. you can accept things aren't black and white and, and you're not, yeah, I think the ego is a big part of it. Um, working with more and more clients, I will be honest, because even when I started as a personal trainer, you know, you train and you're given all this information that this is how your macro should be and you shouldn't eat sugar and you shouldn't do that. So I was trying to teach my clients that and it was very restrictive. And then I was like, well, hang on a minute. Like, why are you not following the nutrition plan I've laid out for you? You've asked for my help, like obviously not being this rude to a client, but thinking in my head or talking to my husband about like, they've paid me for help. I've written them this incredible nutrition plan, given them these amazing workouts. Like, why are you not doing it? And it, you know, being a young coach and doing that and working with more and more clients and then going, oh, there's a shit ton of other layers to this stuff. Like, what about the mindset? What about the habits? What about the fact you can actually get really good results and be a really healthy individual and have great health and great energy and not eat clean 100% of the time? It's all doable. Like, I feel like I'm walking proof of that. Um, And you can be happy like that as well yeah so it's all the coming to all these realizations it's just growing over time isn't it opening your mind and there was no moment or anything in that respect Mm -hmm. yeah I when you said like (laughs) growing older I feel like that's like a big one like like you're it goes by and you're just like why did that matter so much like it's so (laughs) silly why did that matter so much why did I have attached so much meaning to that and why did I think like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that anymore. Mm. Mm -mm. I can think back, you know, into my dance career, you know, all the little sad faces I was writing on my thing when I made one tiny mistake. I'm like, why did I do that? (laughs) Why didn't I get down the crew bar, have a beer, celebrate for doing a good show, get an early night, go to rehearsals next day and just love my life. Look where I am. I'm 
flipping floating around the world on a giant ship with, you know, all these gorgeous people. Like, why? But in the moment, especially you don't have that rich, but you can't look back. You, I mean, I'm only 34, so I'll probably look back in 10 years time and go like, what were you <laughs> thinking? You know? Yeah. But you just grow and you learn and you, and you just do the best you can in life. And you look back and you think, okay, that probably wasn't the best way to do it, but it's all led you to this point, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does fitness look like for you now? Um, you dance, you lift weights. Yeah. So, um, I'm nowhere as, um, no, I don't want to use the word obsessive, but like as on it (laughs) as I was with my fitness, um, like before I had a baby or even like when I was still dancing, I had a much better routine because you work in the evening. I go to the gym in the day. Like I'd really stick to my program. I really, you know, enjoyed the like depths of weight training and everything now I am at happy maintenance mode I sometimes follow my own programs um and I am often filming for my membership and my program so that keeps me going all at home workouts which I never thought I would be saying because I was a proper gym rat and then I love crossfit I was like bodybuilding la la la. like that all that set me up a great foundation for now that I can just be happily in like maintenance mode at home with my dumbbells and but I just do whatever makes me happy it might be I want to do a ballet workout today it might be I want to go for a run it might be that I want to do HIIT training or strength training Mm. um and occasionally I'll follow a program for a couple of weeks um if I've got a goal in mind but really I'm at a place now where I mix it up but I've got that solid foundation from weight training in the gym hitting all my foundations um I'm a bit obsessive with like technique from being a dancer as well like placement of the body and everything so I feel like I've I've laid down a really good foundation Mm -hmm. um but I will say when I first got into the gym I was heavily into like bodybuilding style of working out neglected my actual fitness and my my health quite a lot and just went for aesthetics Mm. um which is just so interesting because it's supposed to be health and fitness. And I was so unfit and we signed up for like an obstacle course race. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a bunch of people who didn't go to the gym as much. And then there was me who was supposed to be like the gym person. And I absolutely bombed. I could not run. I couldn't have no energy. I was like, I'm just going to like train deadlifts and pull-ups and I'm going to be able to like, you know, do all the obstacles. Well, there was quite a bit of running in that course. And it was like, I think 30 mile course. It was like a mega huge one. I died. And that was a big wake up call for me. I mean, they were talking like 2016 mm-hmm. ago, to vary up my training. Mm. And it's, and once again, it's not all just about aesthetics. It's, it's a holistic. So you can see all these little like moments along the way, kind of all came together to like just having a more laid back holistic approach to health and fitness now. Um, but I'm in the place now where I'm not working towards a goal. Whereas a lot of my clients, they're working towards a goal. Mm -hmm. Um, my goal is to be happy, healthy, injury free, just living, loving my life basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that sounds like a really fun place to be, to like mix things up, to like have fun with it. And mm. another question I always ask my clients is like, what do you want to be doing when you're 80 years old? Like, right. Like setting yourself up. So like being able to mm. do these things when you're 80, like you might not just want to be bodybuilding when you're 80, maybe you do, but maybe you just want to like move around. Yeah. I might want some mobility and I might, you know, 
Yeah, I think that that's true. I think you just want quality, quality of life, don't you? Um, and just looking after this vessel, this body of ours that's taking us through life. Yeah. So can you share a little bit more? So if you have clients that come to you that maybe don't have like an extensive background in dance or like moving their body, how do you help them? Like you need some structure, right? Like, so where you're at, like you can be more flexible because you've had so much Mm. like a structured approach. I don't. Yeah. Like, um, people who come to me, no, no one's been dancer (laughs) everyone's a beginner or you know um so yeah you need the structure we need to know are we using our core correctly all our strength and our movements comes from our core often like 99% of the women I meet who've had a baby whether it be five years ago or five months ago have never reconnected back to their core and they're wondering why they've got a mum tum or whatever you want to call it you know I never had this before you know, well, it's not fat. It's you've not trained your muscles back. So that's quite often something that we really focus on. You need a structured plan in the beginning. You do. Um, There's definitely something to be said for just get moving, move your body. But if you want to move the needle and you want to get some results, then you do need a structured plan because you need to repeat and you need to, you know, make it a little bit harder and you need to, you know, keep building on what you've already done. Um, so yeah, we work on the core, we work on technique for the main moves like squats and push-ups. I get all my women strength training. Um, that's the foundation of everything. Um, you know, even if if you're looking for I want to tone up, I'm hearing in my head, we're gonna strength train. <laughs> you know, it, it it tone up isn't a real word, like as you probably know, like it's building muscle and losing some fat that you might be there that you don't need. Um, yeah, so that's what we do. And then we add in obviously fitness and hit, and we do some fun, like dance workouts just for a bit of variety, but there's always a structured plan. So in my membership, there's five programs at the moment. They're all structured plans, starting from your very beginner to like more, much more advanced. And then more of like a lifestyle program that's got like ballet and different bits and bobs. When you come to the place where I feel I'm at now, like, let's just have fun with it. You know, I love that. Amazing. Where's the best place that people can find you and connect with you? Come over to Instagram at Karis Anderson, C-A-R-Y-S Anderson with a double S because my husband's Swedish. I inherited that. Um, yeah. And that's the best place to connect with me because always in my DMs and yeah. Amazing. Cool. Well, I'll put links to your social media and your website in the show notes. Um, thank you again for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Awesome podcast. Don't forget Imperfect Eating Mastery is open for registration. If you're tired of being way on a diet and way off of a diet and you just want to find long-term balance with food, this is the program for you. Go to systemsforselfcare.com. The link for this, it's in the show notes as well. And there's also a spot if you need to chat with me a little bit more to make sure that this is a good fit for you, um, click that on the website. Again, go to systemsforselfcare.com. Super excited to work with you. Take care. Bye.